0: welcome into another episode of behind the catch fence i'm your host david hoffman it's officially episode 35 and we have another special interview episode i know it's been a little bit since the last time i last um you know added on a podcast but you know working 40 hours in that chip factory if you guys know what utz quality foods is that's where i'm working uh you know you smell like chips after a long day but hey you get paid money you have to make podcasts some days but you know Before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously No Copyright Music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm so grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them, No Copyright Music. Welcome to another special interview episode. I know I've been away for a little bit, but the interview train will continue today. Now, before I reveal the next guest, I'll give you guys a little update about what's been going on in the Behind the Catch Fence headquarters. The headquarters of a basement that has boatloads of cars and sheet metal and other random stuff that (laughs) I've collected over the years. But that's our headquarters. So we just got back a couple days ago from the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500, where we were able to witness one of the greatest to ever put on a helmet, and behind the catch fence alumni Elio Castroneves win a record tying fourth Indy 500. To say the least, it was the most electric atmosphere I've ever been to, even if it was reduced capacity at the speedway. It was a fantastic weekend, especially since I was able to take my fiance to her first ever race, and I'm proud to say that she's hooked for life on the sport and she also is a fan of Simon Pagano for now she's still trying to figure it out but since he loves coffee and she loves coffee kind of all intertwines it's perfect <laughs> we also got a picture with him at the end of the at the end of the race so that's always really cool now we'll have another episode coming out here soon going over that outstanding weekend that we had which will include a very very special guest that I cannot wait for you guys to hear their thoughts on the weekend All right, now back to our special guest. Today, we have the legendary Mario Andretti on the show for a second time, which is baffling to say to me still, but hey, here we are. Andretti and I talk about the historic Indy 500, the remarkable race by Elio Castroneves, Mario's thoughts on the 2021 IndyCar season to date, Scott Dixon's greatness, and much, much more. Now enough with the chit-chat. Let's get right to it. Sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack. Could be some steak. Well, that's not really a snack, but... Maybe a porterhouse steak if you're really hungry with some Utz potato chips. Not sponsored, but hey, you never know since I work for them. <laughs> and enjoy this episode with the Mario Andretti. It's always good to see you on the show. This is the second time, so I always appreciate uh, the time I always take um, for media. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, starting off, I know um, last time we talked, you had mentioned about how um, like you were itching. This was before uh, IndyCar got back racing. I know you're itching to get back into the two-seater. Uh, how was that? How has that been? Being able to be at the track again, just in general, and be able to do that.
1: Well, it's great. This the season started out pretty much uh, with activity, and um, of course, the bulk of it is at in Indianapolis because we're there for so long, and uh, and it starts with the Grand Prix. So. I was there for about 21 days, uh, <laughs> almost the entire month. And, um, a lot going on because I was, uh, drove on a road course. And then, uh, as soon as practice started and, uh, we were, we had, uh, like an hour and a half each morning. And then, uh, on a, the, uh, the Tuesday, uh, after qualifying, uh, we had all day, you know, it was, uh. Uh, But 10 10 to 5, you know, which was a big day, if you will. So I got plenty of driving, you know. And then uh, the day after the race on a Monday, I gave 33 rides at uh, 200 miles an hour, guaranteed. So so now I'm just uh, resting a little bit.
0: I was going to say, how does 200 miles an hour feel back, And you know, when you began to start racing to now, is there much difference, or is it just kind of like riding a bike, basically?
1: Well, it pretty much, I'm in my element immediately. You know, I've done so many miles there that it doesn't take much. And, uh, as long as I'm, I'm allowed to sort of, obviously I have to adjust the car, you know, so it's as comfortable as possible. But, uh, the difference is that, um, uh, the cornering speed is higher because of the downforce that we have, and um, you know when we were in a 200 miles an hour range, we were doing you know maybe 225, 230 on the straightaway, and then maybe 175 in the corner. Now, I it's pretty much almost the same speed all the way around. So that's the
0: difference. I mentioned Indianapolis, uh, the Indy 500. Elio, Elio Castro Neves won for a fourth time. Uh, we'll talked a little bit about more a little bit later but uh talking specifically about just the race itself what were your thoughts on like just the overall just atmosphere
1: well i th- i think it was extremely competitive race because all you have to do is look at the times you know we uh, uh we were just obviously uh, uh, with michael's had six centuries so uh, i was able to check and, uh, and on the monitor and uh <clears throat> and, and see what all of the lap speeds were and pretty much um, the leaders were in much clearer air so they were only one or two miles an hour quicker but the, in the back you know primarily they were pretty much the same speed that's why um, there was you know the the overtaking was been mainly due to obviously slipstreaming. uh and but overall again it was a solid race you know as you can imagine uh there were some uh bad luck situations you know with uh Uh, With Stefan Wilson got caught out and then, uh, obviously, um, I guess it looked like uh, uh, Scott Dixon and um, Rossi got the worst of it. You know, they ran out of fuel and blah, blah, blah. So that determined their fate for the race and that. But, um, you know, uh, if you want to go back to Elio, he was right up there, you know, he qualified well, and he stayed up there. You know, there was no misstep on his part and his team and kudos to him, you know, he just, uh, 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 he didn't really have uh, any real advantage except experience, you know, at the end, because uh, the Ganassi cars were really quick, you know, in the hands of uh, all of his drivers. Uh, And um, so he was dealing with Palo, which is really a very good driver, as a young man, he's got uh, a lot to look forward to career-wise, no question. And, but again, uh, I think for Elio, his experience worked at the end, and, uh, and he he made the best of it. And uh, and he, uh, I was very you know very impressed with that performance, quite honestly, and rightfully so. He he deserved that win. Uh, it was a very popular win indeed.
0: And I'm just being on pit road uh, since you were down there. What was the atmosphere like as he was climbing out of the car, going over climbing the fences? That whole experience. Well,
1: you know, I guess he connects very well with the fans, as he's done that in the past. You know, just climbing the fence and all that, uh, and the fans love that. You could tell that uh, they're all really—they were so into it—and um, that's what it's all about. I think uh, it's a festive moment for everyone, and um, and he uh, again, uh, it was very good for the sport. we was good to uh, to see that many fans in the stands and. Uh, and come back to uh, what we what we expect Indianapolis to be. Uh, so yeah, happy moments. I think, uh, uh, I mean, everything was as positive as, as we could expect it to be.
0: And after the race, during all of that, you, uh, he came over to you, you kissed him on the head and uh, you Ooh, yeah. spoke a couple words to him. What were those words?
1: Well, basically, you know, it was very simple. I, I said, just think, Elio. Um, about a year ago, I said, you and I were teammates with a two-seater. He was replacing me when I couldn't do some of the races, and uh, I said, look at you now. But uh, the reason I said that is because uh, he he was somewhat depressed, you know, when he was let go from the Penske Group, and uh, uh, he he told me clearly, he said, Mario, I'm not finished. I have a lot of racing inside of me, and and, uh, and he certainly proved it, you know. Uh, so I mean, of course, you know, winning the 24 Hours that Daytona and everything else. I mean, he he um, uh, he's still at the top of his game, and uh, so I uh, I think he deserves a full time ride with some team, you know, for sure. And uh, and I'm sure that's coming as well.
0: And as you've seen him grow up through the years in IndyCar for 20 plus years, uh, just from your perspective, what Makes him different from other drivers that you've seen, you know, in the paddock before.
1: Well, it's just his personality, of course. You know, he's um, he's one of those that is it's very uh, I don't know. Um, he <laughs> uh, he he's, he's always seems to be very positive and so forth, and I think that's a good thing. Um, and um, you can tell he gravitates, you know, to the fan base. Um, so he's very open. Um, I probably had more conversation with him in the past um, you know, a year or so, since uh, you know, he was a two-seater. And also uh, he was debriefing with the Michael's team throughout the month, where I think he, he benefited tremendously. And he, he'll tell you that, that uh, uh, to, to look at all the data from all the other drivers, Michael's drivers. And um, so he put it all to good use, there's no question um these cars with the new um aero package uh, i think they have a very narrow sweet spot and um and i think he captured it pretty well i don't know if anybody had a perfect i think probably uh scott dixon probably had maybe the best setup i think he seemed to be just there every single day you know right at the top um uh, and um but I think Elio, uh, very quietly, uh, was right there as well, and um, and a couple of things just played his way, and uh, and he made the most of it, no question.
0: And just watching his success at the five hundred over the years, just what does he do, What does he do differently that just has made him a four time champion?
1: Desire, I think. I don't know if that's different, but uh, I saw. Well, that's what I detected in him. I think a really burning desire to, to get it done. Um, and um, and that's really what it takes. I mean, uh, I think he's, I, you'd have to ask him, but it, to me, it looks like he's really enjoying what he's doing. Um, and he uh, wants more of it is that, as you say, as he said, actually, he said, I'm not finished yet. And I think he showed that quite clearly. Uh, so, uh, but, um, when you're driven by that burning desire to succeed, when you want something really that bad, um, usually you have a shot at it. And uh, and he demonstrated that quite clearly. So because of that, I think uh, uh, when you're motivated like that, I I can see that because somewhere along the line, you know, um, I experienced all that, you know, and, and again, uh, uh, to see him really want it so badly um, at this stage of his career, I think is something that's uh, very inspiring.
0: And just with, uh, you know, now he's in the exclusive four win club with uh, Foy, Unser and uh, Rick Mears. What do those guys share just that just make him special just in like those type of moments?
1: I think uh, what you see is a lot of respect across the board among them. They all know what it takes, and uh, you know it takes a little bit of luck as well along the way. Some have been more luck than others, you know, by able to accomplish that. But uh, uh, nevertheless, you know, it's um, those are quite a milestone that uh, only belongs to four drivers at the moment, and uh, so it's a very elite group, no question. Uh, but uh, like I said, you put those four guys together, I guarantee you that uh, they have the more respect for one another.
0: And just with the 500, the fans were finally back after a year of not being able to go. Just, just throughout the whole month of May, how was it just for you to see them back?
1: What I, what I detected it clearly, not just on race day, but throughout practice, um, they just, uh, the, the real fans are there every day, of course. And, and I saw that there was just this emotion, you know, emotional thing that uh, to, to, to be there and happy to be there. Um, and that's a beautiful thing because uh, the energy from the fans is so important to all of us. Uh, believe it or not, it, they're, they're much more powerful than they ever realize. Uh, quite honestly, at least speaking for myself. Uh, And then so I detect this kick up on that, even. Um, And I could see even toward the the end of the race where things were, uh, you know, okay, which way is it gonna go and so forth. I mean, they were on it. I mean, everybody was totally on it. And then, you know, when he made that, did the overtake and so forth, you know, I mean, the house came down. Uh, That was a great thing to see, Uh, so. Uh, again, like I said, the, you could tell people were just happy to be there finally, you know, able to be there. And, uh, and that's what we all wanted. Uh, we wanted that more than anything. Uh, so it was a big step forward, obviously, to try to get back to not the new normal, back to normal.
0: And I was fortunate enough to be in attendance, and just like you mentioned, with those final couple of laps, it, it almost felt like a, I've been to a couple of different just races, but it felt it had a little bit of extra umph when Elio made that pass, and then I believe I was turn three or something. This here, the fans going nuts, uh, you're, yeah, it, it you know it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. it. just was a very very special, and just like finally, you know, this is starting to feel amazing, you know, just like we're getting back to normal again. For
1: sure, yeah, indeed, yeah, for sure.
0: And, uh, you know, looking, you know, with the 2021 IndyCar season, uh, six, six different winners and six different races, uh, just how does it, or what does that say about just the competition level in IndyCar right now?
1: Well, I think it speaks volumes, you know, for, uh, the fact that the product is there and it's strong. I mean, it's, uh, drivers and teams, uh, you could see that, uh, here's, uh, uh, 46 year old driver going up against, uh, a uh. Was it uh, uh, Alex Palou? Is what, like 22 or something like that, uh, and um, and you have uh, the and like even Scott Dixon, for instance, um, where you you know you have the older drivers uh, that um, are still young enough to to perform with the, all the best talents. But the best talent represents the future, and it's strong. Let me tell you, it's uh, it's probably unprecedented um, uh, what I see there. Uh, you know, just to name a few, you know, Pato Ward and, uh, and Colton Herta and, and Young Ladsley, but not, not, not just those guys. There are a couple others out there that uh, are showing incredible promise. So uh, that's, that's great for the IndyCar, you know, the IndyCar itself. Uh, I think every race you can look forward to something uh, probably spectacular if you will. And uh, these are things that um, they only happen. You cannot make it happen artificially. Uh, so uh, I love to see that, uh, I think. Uh, and it's uh, it's not only IndyCar, I think Formula One and even NASCAR has got a lot of that uh, new talents coming up, uh, that's interesting to see just uh, okay, how solid are they and all of that. Uh, and that's what it's all about, you know, from a defense standpoint, uh, You know, every race you want to be looking forward to something new and uh, see if, uh, you know, the ones that actually show the promise, if they're for real and all of that. So, yeah, uh, uh, motor racing is a very good place right now, in my opinion.
0: And just more specifically with IndyCar and their rookie class with uh, McLaughlin, Johnson and uh, Grosjean, what does that say just about the IndyCar? Is they just being able to bring in guys like that to compete?
1: Well, that's the other one, you know, again, it's uh, so many factors that uh, I think are so positive and uh, uh, to have a seven time NASCAR uh, champion, um, uh, Jimmy Johnson uh, finding a sort of a new fun in his career. You know, I, I, uh, I, I said, I asked him, I said, are you having fun yet? And he says, I'm having the time of my life, you know, and all that. It's wonderful. You know, that, uh, um, he's still young enough, you know, to really enjoy himself and, uh, and look forward to, uh, you know, quite a lot of racing in, in, Indy IndyCar. And, and then, you know, Grosjean coming out of Formula One now, you know, at least is with, uh, driving a car that's uh, pretty much, you know, as a spec series, you know, you know that everyone has pretty much the same thing, basically, so uh, that will give him some comfort because he's certainly not, was not experiencing that in Formula One. So um, that gives him uh, some uh, more confidence, I would suspect, you know, for his ability. And he showed that, you know, by uh, coming down with Paul uh, for the Grand Prix. Uh, And, so again who am I missing you know it's uh yeah and Scott McLaughlin yeah you know coming out of uh, supercars uh he, he really he, uh, it's amazing you know that uh, uh how he's dealing with the diversity you know of equipment um I'm uh, very impressed with that indeed uh and I mean not just road course I mean he was right there on the oval as well so he's a uh, force to be reckoned with no question and uh, And of course, he's certainly driving for the right team with the Penske team. So, you know, he'll be in the top equipment. So but going back to what I just said earlier, I mean, look around. I mean, it's uh, got a half a dozen really, 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 really hard and solid competitors. I mean, half a dozen. I say even more more than that, you know, and uh, so there again.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Rhinus R- 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 VK, you know, is, uh, is another one. You know, I, I'm overlooking because there's so many. Uh, you know, he's another one. I mean, outside pole and, and, uh, and, you know, here again, you know, limited experience, but got it done. And, um, you know, first day of practice, uh, you, know, he, he, you know, when he goes dumps into turn one and off he goes. But that didn't phase him. Now, that tells me a lot. You know, when a driver said, okay, I made a mistake, but it's not the end of it. I'll cure it. And he did. So that again, you know, it's um, uh, showed me a lot, you know, about the driver's talent and, uh, and his ability to overcome uh, some of the negatives, you know, now and how then you have to deal with. Uh, so again, there's, um, there's so much out there that, um, that is uh, just on the positive side. And that's what, as a fan myself, one that truly truly loves the sport uh, uh, i love to see that because uh, it represents a very bright future
0: and just with all those guys you could countless countless names all over the board but just how does i know like i've heard even graham ray hall mentioned it's almost the golden era of indycar he mentioned i'm not sure what you would have to say about that but what would you say just uh his stain of the golden era of indycar is now
1: I, I I agree with that. I mean, I think in so many ways because I think the depth of talent is probably unprecedented. And, um, and you know, I don't think you can argue with that.
0: And just looking at the championship standings and, uh, you know, just as we go down the stretch, almost halfway, who do you see kind of keeping that consistency going all the way to possibly a championship?
1: Well that's the thing that's, uh, it's very difficult, you know, to, 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 to predict anything like that because uh, um, it, it's so, it's gonna, to me, I, I think it's going to be so close. Um, and it's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, to do with some breaks along the way and so forth. But uh, uh, overall, I think it's, uh, it's going to go, probably go right down to the last race, you know, from what I see, um, uh, I, you know, uh, that's what we look forward to, you know. Battled all the way. I don't think I, I don't think there's going to be a runaway.
0: I I don't think so either. And just, there hasn't been a clear cut, you know, someone taking every race and that kind of thing, like that's, we saw last year with a Dixon.
1: Right, right. That, but so far, like I said, that's the point that I'm making. I mean, it's uh, you know, Dixon will always be there, but uh, uh, he's got uh, he's got some contenders out there.
0: And definitely a lot of youth in that as well uh you know looking at Scott Dixon more specifically last year he uh, notched a sixth championship just as you've watched him over the years what are some things that you have know, that you've seen that have stuck out to you that makes him just so just versatile and so special in that way well he's
1: solid as solid as it can be i mean it's um he uh, possesses um, uh, enviable talent you know no question uh among other competitors and uh uh, he's uh, he's there with a solid team with a Chip Ganassi team, and uh, uh, so uh, and he's capable. He's uh, forced to be reckoned with at every race, no matter where you go—super speed with short oval, street course, <laughs> natural road course, and all that. Um, yeah, that's what you know. Champions are all about. So uh, yeah, again, you know, and anybody that um, uh, that does better than him has done a hell of a job. That's all I can tell you.
0: And just as someone who's competed in IndyCar for over 20 years yourself, like Scott Dixon, what are some of the challenges that he has to face, you know, just, you know, getting up in the, like in the age bracket and staying competitive and staying ahead of like the youth movement?
1: Well, a lot of the challenges are to keep, stay physically fit, of course. I mean, uh, the experience worked for him automatically, in the sense, not automatically, but in the fact that he can put that to good use uh, by being able to predict certain situations better than others um, and be able to react and adapt. That's the whole thing, you know, to adapt to conditions um, and, um, and, you know, take advantage of uh, to, to extract everything out of the car no matter what's around him, you know, whether it's dry, wet, sunny, cloudy, windy, not windy and all that. That's what it takes. Um, and he's able to do all of that. So again, he's, he's a complete racer, no question. And, um, and still, like I said, young enough to, uh, to put quite a record together.
0: And who knows how many more years he will, he will race and just how those wins championships will rack up as you know, we look ahead. Uh, but, yeah, looking at your know, final two questions, uh, switching over to your grandson, Marco, will be competing in the Superstar Racing Experience. Uh, what are your thoughts on that series?
1: Well, it's like anything, you know, it's, uh, it's very, we're very curious, you know, to see how these dudes are going to do, especially on the short tracks, you know, and, uh, and see how they're going to be leaning each other, you know, with those cars. And, uh, and if uh, those cars going to need a paint job every time. <laughs> some new sheet metal. Um, I think the sparks are going to fly. No question, those guys are going to have some fun with it. Uh, and here again, you know, with equal equipment, so uh, it's going to be pretty competitive. No, no question. But uh, you you put your pride at stake, you know, uh, you know when you're when you're driving us, knowing that you know all the other guys uh, are having the same thing. That's not something that you've set up, and other. You know, technically, it's as humanly possible as uh, to, to be as equal as possible. So uh, you're the one that makes up the difference, basically. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's there's a lot of stake in that respect. <laughs> and then some some pressure, some will deal with it better than others, and we'll all have to see.
0: You got a bunch of fiery drivers on, you know, in those cockpits, so I feel like that's going to bring a lot of uh, sparks, to say the least. <laughs> No question about that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mario, I appreciate all of your time that uh, you've always given me and uh, just your incredible answers, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you here again soon.
1: My pleasure. Anytime.
0: You have a good day, sir. You too. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Behind the Catch Fence with two-time special guest Mario Andretti. The wise words of Mario Andretti are always so special to hear, and it's an honor to talk racing with one of the world's greatest racers to ever live. I still felt like I had to pinch myself sometimes during the interview, and man, that will never get old. Andretti's elite tier of knowledge about all topics possible in motorsports are so fascinating to hear about, and I know for a fact that you can truly never have enough time talking with the legend himself. I'd like to thank Patty Reed for making this all possible and also like to thank Mr. Andretti once again for coming on the podcast. We're just about out of time for today's episode so look out for more interviews and content over the next couple weeks. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you guys later.